Welcome everyone to my podcast seven, which is all about sharing the career stories of leaders within STEM and life sciences across the globe. There are not enough female leaders. And for those that are, this podcast has a mission to share and elevate their voices to be examples of what the next generations can be inspired to be. Women enter the life science and STEM industries in equal proportion to men. However, they are substantially underrepresented at the leadership level. We're failing to unlock the genius that's available to progress innovation. We can only address this issue if we make gender equality at every level a priority. Our industry's ability to answer the world's most pressing healthcare challenges rests on the success at nurturing the next generation of female leaders. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Jo McCatty. I'm the founder of ProtoScience. And proto-science is all about helping people at a stage where they want to progress in their career and they need a strategy and a career roadmap to get there. I also empower people with the right tools and mindset to make that happen. Not only that, uh, we recruit, we help retain talent effectively. Back to the podcast, which is also about gathering insights into how certain career destinations lead to a step up, who the support is that allows us to make that happen along the way. It's interesting to discover For those that I interview, is it self? Is it others? Is it both? Today, I am delighted to discuss and share the career story of Tina Pisarev. We've been introduced to each other through some wonderful people in the life science sector, and I'm very grateful for this. Tina is the Chief Operations Officer of Virtus Health, which is an organization with a mission of helping people become parents. Virtus Health is one of the largest integrated practices of its kind in the world. Their medical teams are highly regarded and their fertility treatment programs are considered some of the safest and most successful in the world. They believe their clinical practice, medical science and quality management ensure they deliver the best possible outcomes for thousands of patients every year. In the Asia Pacific region, they are the largest provider of fertility services in Australia and one of the largest in Singapore. What an outstanding mission for the greatest gift of parenthood. I would love to now pass it to Tina. Welcome, Tina. Thanks, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for that very kind introduction to Virtus. And I'm very, very lucky to be the Chief Operating Officer for Virtus Health. It's not often in your career you can say everything that gets you out of bed every morning is pretty wonderful. And we're very lucky to be working in an environment where we do help um, people be become parents, families of all different shapes and sizes from the beginning to adding on to their family. And I'm surrounded by wonderful women in STEM, men in STEM and the health industries. I started my career actually way back when at university, I wanted to be a nurse and I was adamant that I wanted to be a nurse from my own personal experiences growing up. And I'd had, had begun my nursing career and I went to do a co-lift at Princess Alexandra Hospital with a colleague. And unfortunately, when I went to do that lift, my knee gave way. And the reason for that was because when I was 17, I was involved in a terrible car accident in which a drunk driver and others were involved. And my knee was badly damaged but I was very lucky because one of my best friends was killed and another friend was a survivor so on that moment when it flashed between my eyes that I was unable to finish my nursing degree I went straight back to the university spoke to them about how I could stay connected with science and medicine and healthcare without actually necessarily losing that connection and my my drive to help others and I asked how can I continue to study grow and be involved and we actually talked through the options and I actually went into business management with the determination that I would actually work in managing and healthcare and from there I sort of my career blossomed and I worked through pathology and diagnostics and I went to work in roles from doctor maintenance and I thought I just have to keep learning I can't hands-on make it I just have to keep learning and spend time with the right people and take the right opportunities 
So I worked through my career to be general manager of hospitals through to be projects and national managers. And I became the CEO of Icon Cancer Care in Australia, leading um, that group of remarkable clinicians, um, science-based activities in in research, um, oncology, pharmacy, just amazing technology. And from there, I then was lucky enough to be offered an opportunity to go and be the regional CEO for Icon in Southeast Asia. So I picked up my then 18-month-old and my 13-year-old and my wonderful flexible husband, which has been the key to me doing whatever I do. I'm very blessed. And we moved to Singapore for three years and led that expansion. And then at the end of that, which is always a a set time after meeting, and I'll talk to you throughout the Hopefully Pod about some of the amazing people I met there, um, I was able to return to Australia. I had a stint at being a stay-at-home mum. And look, I found myself wanting to be back in healthcare, back in science. And so when the role at Virtus, I was approached about that, what drew me to it was their advance in AI and their commitment to technology in the healthcare setting, which was really where healthcare's at now, technology was changing the directory. This is before COVID, before we'd actually said this awful pandemic. And so I applied and I started with Virtus and I've been there for the last two and a bit years and I, wow. I love it. Amazing career journey that you've had. There's so much in what you have shared from people that have supported you, the career pivot that you made, the personal support you've had, you know, when you've become a mum as well, which is quite pivotal when it comes to career mum, trying to have both, trying to be the best in both worlds. And support is a key factor. Definitely. I resonate with that considerably. Now, I know you've already erred towards sharing how you went from being a nurse and then deciding on doing something completely different. And you had set the intention, getting a C-level role and you achieved it and how amazing that is. But if you reflect on that now, what was it the igniter that inspired you to work in life sciences? How did you know you wanted to have a career in this space? To be honest, it was my personal experience growing up in regional uh, New South Wales, where there wasn't a lot of access to a lot of the services that were available and could be done. And remote access to healthcare was not even really thought about when I was born 47 years ago. And so when I was a young child, I would have to travel if I was unwell to um, a bigger city or we would be transferred out. And when I had my car accident in year 12, Uh, I had a very badly damaged knee and there was no equipment in the local town that could actually deal with that. So the answer was, we'll transfer her out. And the local Lions group, who I'd been in youth of the year, I love to chat a bit. You work that out, Joe, on the podcast. I love that. um, They'd said, no, no, we'll raise the money for the equipment. And they brought me in a machine called Fred. Now, I don't know if Fred's used much anymore, but Fred used to bend my leg one inch a day to try and get me walking and stuff but they didn't have one in the small town at the time and so they they actually raised the money with the local lines and they bought one and donated it to the hospital and the excitement that I saw on the staff's faces and the doctors knowing they had this new equipment to play with has never left me as well as my desire to actually see change and innovation because without that innovation after me hundreds and hundreds of patients would have used Fred and I think they probably had 30 Freds because we went out and, and we fundraised for them post my recovery but it was just that look on some of the really caring and committed people who needed to have more access to resources that I went I want to work in healthcare I want to be a nurse making this difference or I want to want to do something else so that was always there and I guess I I probably undersold myself a lot a lot of female but when I had that moment where I could have injured the patient and my colleague it was a bit of an epiphany I have to do Mm. something else yes and I don't want to lose contact with patients or, or, or staff and I did have a tinkering where I went and looked at public relations and you know privates worked in a private 
And I was drawn back to the health and health sciences from the start because I felt I could make a real difference. And mm. I always knew I'm not clinical. I'm not actually science trained. But if you surround yourself with people who are experts in their career, in their areas, you seek advice on a constant basis. You make good decisions and you know your scope. Yeah. So I never make clinical decisions. The clinical team do that. But I put together all of the resources, the technology and the support they need to make good decisions. So mm. I think I've been driven since my personal experience. and yeah. And then... Once you get a taste of it and you see the first use of this treatment and the difference it's made, where you see someone do something for the first time and you see it has a tangible impact, I think it becomes like adrenaline. You like that. When I'm at a barbecue, I like to say this is what I do. And I worked managing a mental health hospital for a couple of years and that was really, really rewarding. A drug and alcohol unit at at the time when ICE, et cetera, was entering into the market and families were struggling with that. I then went to seven or eight years in oncology, which is, you know, you pray for every day for, mm, for that yes. and you're seeing latest treatments that, that, are, that are coming on and, and, and hopefully enabling clinicians to do trials. And we set up the, one of the first remote chemotherapy telemedicine rooms back then, eight or nine years ago in Townsville. And uh, Dr. Sabe and the team were doing remote chemotherapy monitoring and setting up programs. And then from that Australian initiative, we then went out into Southeast Asia and did very similar programs because what you could do from a regional base in Australia back to a metropolitan base or metro to regional was the same as doing something from Singapore to Vietnam Makes or sense. from, you know, into Indonesia. So we were able to build on that. And then for Virtus, it was a pretty amazing to see a group of people. When I walk into our laboratory and see the most amazing staff helping create families and it is, it's pretty magical. And, and I didn't understand the complexity as well, which I've really enjoyed getting to understand and respecting the complexity truly inspiring now you know from mental health to oncology to spurtus health where it's like you said helping people establish becoming parents so how did you create that opportunity for yourself in Virtus health well how did it come to you hmm. i think my career advice for anyone is, is have a goal and you hmm. really know it and see it um and to network and to also understand the type of companies and and industries you you would work for and those that you wouldn't because that makes your life a lot easier. So at certain points in your career, you'll know companies which uh, you would like to work with because you have value based the same, the products, the approach to innovation, staffing's the same. So for me, I had pride myself on having a value-based leadership, both in my own conscience, but also in people I surrounded myself with and the places I worked. And Virtus was in that list of companies on my watch list. So I knew that with Virtus and the way that they had a team approach and the way that they had looked at innovation and doing things differently that I might be a fit there. Um, So I would suggest that understanding first for me was which companies I would work for and which I wouldn't at all the points in the career. The other part in preparing to get into a role like this is be prepared to go sideways before you go up. And probably my third one for me was in all of my roles is don't be frightened to ask, can I be involved in that? I know it's not in my direct, but can I sit in on that meeting? Can I understand what you're doing? Can I be part of that project? Is there any way I can help? Because you're putting yourself out there as I'm interested. You're also learning. And some of my best mentors and um, best advocates for me in the workplace have been people who have let me that opportunity to actually be involved and have, have said, come along and you can sit in this and understand what we're doing. And you learn so much sometimes from just listening, not talking. You learn sometimes also by pushing your boundaries. So I think all of that 
placed me a good seat to go, gosh, seven or eight years in oncology, what will I do now? Back in Australia, um, yeah. children are a different age. What about helping create babies? And I, and I do feel like I help create babies, even though yes. I'll never ever touch any yeah. of it. And yeah. if I do, there's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm enabling with resources, support, care, the the ecosystem through the rest of the team. And um, yeah. yes, that's pretty exciting. So for me, it was knowing who and who I wouldn't work for, mm. making sure I always took chances and asked mm-hmm. for different opportunities and then surrounding myself with like-minded mentors and coaches and things. And um, I've always had a business coach over the last few years, which is for me personally, someone who I can talk to, I can learn, I can find my own insights. I'm a big advocate of the 360s, the Gallup, the Gallup strengths, because you, you understand yourself better. And if, if you're too frightened to do that, then that's the first stumbling block because you'll never grow, in my opinion. So I think all of that has led me, hopefully, I'm sure there's others that don't think it, but hopefully more of a higher EQ, insightful leader. Fantastic. I think uh, a lot of what you shared is pretty much the advice that I impart on others when it comes to making career decisions, firstly, don't be afraid to make the decision in the first place, but have clarity in what it is that you want to do. That's what you've kind of suggested in a way, you know, have that outcome in your mind and create the pathway to get there and know what you don't want as much as what you do want. So you spend your time and you invest your time in the things that matter that are going to propel you forward um, in the direction that you choose. And having that support, the advocates, the mentors, the coaches along the way, it helps us get there quicker, faster than we would have done in the first place. I think you've shared a lot of fantastic advice just captured in that answer there, which is amazing. I'm going to now flip it to what you consider to be your greatest achievement in your career, in your life. Mm -hmm. Look, the cliche one is my family, but um, my children and I and my husband have a very grounded everyday family. I'll be going out and putting the dishwasher on and doing that stuff. And that gives me the most joy. I think having been able to, through my career, give my children great experiences is, is very rewarding. Um, having lived three years in Singapore and, and having the children being able to travel and do work throughout the region for charity and others so they understood how lucky they were was, was important. But I think probably my apart from my family which I as I said is 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 there for me in a work surrounded scenario it's seeing some of the people who've been on my team or reached out as colleagues succeed because then you are a true leader you're not you're not threatened by others success you're not um, holding others back and you're reaching in and pulling up not pushing down and so when I have team members who want to come and work with me in other organizations when I see a team member that I've pulled out and invested in and now they're a general manager or they're a nurse unit manager or they're a scientist doing their PhD now that's probably my greatest and and probably most reflective moment that you can make a difference to someone else's career and you should and I have some key people that I've worked with, some amazing founders who have made a huge difference to both my career and my life. I have some key colleagues and managers who invested in me at the right time, Mm. who made a difference to where I am today. And I feel personally that I owe it back to the next generation or the men and women around me to actually to help them. So I get quite agitated is probably not a great word when I hear stories where where others are holding their colleagues back or they're not um, giving opportunities because they're threatened because I think that that to me is very um, non-communal in its Mm. ability to make the world a better place. And I've personally never faced 
a glass ceiling. I've had so many great male mentors and people have opened up gates. I, I mean, my first CEO job, I was called back from maternity leave by a male founder um, who I thought was going to make me redundant. He always laughs at this. And I was like, I'm fired up for a fight. <laughs> and John, he laughs, he goes, you actually got to make it redundant. I want you to be a, I want you to be a, a, a CEO. And wow. he had to call his wife founder in and people know me who know this is, who went, oh, Stuart, how'd you, de- I mean, how'd you deliver it? But it was that that opening that window having the child was irrelevant it was your performance and and um you know it was very important they made sure he my son was well looked after but it never stopped my career progression now I know a lot of women have not faced that and I have had many of the chats with women who find and have been not given that gracious and I think that goes back to I chose to work with organizations and people that display and demonstrate the real values which I aspire to Mm -hmm. so um, and I've been lucky enough to receive that so I am not under any I guess misillusion that others don't have that same experience and I know from personal friends and others that people have found having family and a work life has been disruptive and the stats show that there's still not another gender equality on boards on CEO roles c-suite you know correct I personally have had just as many male and female mentors and I'm very lucky and blessed and I hopefully makes me well-rounded and I think some of the best advice I was given was to to actually to have a voice whether that's at a meeting whether it's at a a requesting for something you'd like to do in your career the the worst you can get if you ask respectfully is a no that's right and that's okay but if you never ask you'll never know so just um for me I think um that's been some of the take-homes for my career and I'm very grateful Mm -hmm. for those people who invested in me pulled me along encouraged me sent me adverts to say you should go for that internally you've got that oh my god that's three runs up I don't know if I could do that and I'd go yes you can yes you can they believe in you yeah and 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 they were often from a variety of backgrounds who had worked so I think if you have a trajectory my other advice is don't walk over people to get it work with people to get it and there's a big difference and you can see the leaders who have got to where they're at and they've done it leaving a rake of destruction in their path. Mm. And not often do their teams and others want to travel with them. Not often do they last. The, you know, the wake is almost like a tsunami. Mm. And that does, to me, does not define success. If you work with people and get to that point and you've got a very settled bay behind you and you've actually got people who could walk up the same steps so you can take a holiday, so you can take a promotion, then you're actually succeeding. And I think that's where a lot of leaders and a lot of female leaders might get nervous. They either don't put their hand up to say, I can do it, or they actually think I've got to be ruthless to get there. And you don't. Personally, I don't think. I agree. I agree with you 100% that uh, the approach is to take people with you on that journey and help elevate them because that in turn will elevate you and um, everyone's better for it yeah. and it enhances productivity. Absolutely. <laughs> so why not do that? Added bonus and added bonus. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I love that um, you consider, you know, other people's successes, your, your greatest achievements as well and from a personal perspective too. And then you have heard to, you know, having advisors, having mentors, having coaches who have supported you throughout your career. Who were they if you were to, you know, share the names of um, the people that had that impact on you? Yeah, so I think I think going right back, I had some of the doctors in my first medical take the time to show me. So, you know, Lloyd Maguire and some of the doctors or pathologists when I was wandering around and I, I wasn't science trained, but I wanted to look in the microscope. They'd be like, do you want to have a look, Tina? I'm like, yes, I want to understand what you're doing. And they just would say, come on, I'll show you. And they, it wasn't a problem. They didn't make fun of me that I couldn't say the words. I couldn't do that. Mm. I've had a ama- 
amazing medical directors that I've worked with, which are all obviously clinical and help our services. So those that I can ring and talk to and ask advice. Personally, I've had some great mental managers. Um, Anne McGuire, one of the team members, was one of those managers that said, you can do that. Do you want to sit on this meeting? Do you think you'd like to do that nationally? By the way, I've popped you up for that. And I once asked her, what? Why? <laughs> kind of thing. And she said, well, she said, you clearly want to do it and you clearly can do it. Someone just has to tell you you should do it. And um, I was really grateful for that. And she stayed... Um, being a, a separate mentor to me throughout the whole time. Um, the founders I first worked with, founders are amazing. They're entrepreneurial. They're, um, they're often just think outside the square. They challenge the traditional thinking. They, they're creative and innovative. And so I was very lucky to work with Stuart Giles and Kathy Reid, who are the founders of the Icon Group. Um, they've obviously just now, you know, part of the departing $1 billion um jag juggernaut which is the cancer care business sold recently but they're more than just business people they're mm -hmm. they're themselves pharmacists they're actually um have got great value and ethos and they actually um installed a sense of adventure and innovation into me yeah that i, I probably needed as a as a conservative country girl to be honest as well and so being able to to say you know really give it a go you know, challenge the norm, think differently. And even things like the staff days where we'd get together for team building, turning up in super costumes and different <laughs> themes. Was, I was so out of my comfort zone the first yeah. one. I think I had a coloured shirt on and a pair of, you know. And by the end of it, we were out to get best costume and I was dressed up as the Star Wars characters. And one time I came from Singapore as Pikachu and I did a whole skit in front of Singapore Airlines. It was just that it changes your thinking mm. so that you're out of your normal and you're looking for alternate solutions, which hopefully makes you a better leader because yes. you're not stuck in the everyday. Don't get me wrong, governance and protocols and things all have their place, especially in healthcare. Yes, but to be game-changing, you need to be innovative. You need mm -hmm. to be early adopters. So, you know, Kathy was one of the people who got me early exposure to things like Google Glasses and, you know, how we could do remote things um, uh, in monitoring, um, looking at the IT systems, how data has become the big thinking. And I'll be forever grateful for that, having worked with them. Um, and, um, and just looking and seeing the differences in the healthcare systems through my time there. I think even now I've got several mentors that um, from different parts of the industry in which yeah. you can ring at different points for different times different things, yeah. um, and then my business coach even though you know that they come on board as your sort of personal um, uh, coach and, and it's usually you know arranged so that you can check in with them mine has been on the journey where I've identified key things I wanted to work on and, and Belinda is amazing at at helping you kind of see the wood for the trees and to mm -hmm. be insightful mm -hmm. and setting priorities and so you know, even before starting new roles, I often do a, 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 you know, do sessions to make sure that I've got the right mindset going into the new roles, new projects, yes. et cetera, which can be missed when executives jump around. Yes. You know, the old-fashioned 90 days is really important, but how you approach the 90 days is far better, mm. far more important. Um, and, and I think just knowing that you will, depending on your personality, you're likely to put more pressure on yourself than anyone else will. So how do you, my personality is how do I manage that? Because I'm often the one that's got the higher expectation than the people around me. How do I make sure I manage it for myself, but I also don't put unrealistic expectations on my team because we all have different mm. tolerance levels. So It's amazing. You have a whole cohort of people around you helping you be the best version of yourself. And then in turn, it's making an impact for the people in your business and in turn, the patients. 
So yeah. that's pretty, pretty awesome. amazing. Yeah, and even <laughs> at Virtus, current group CEO Kate and my colleagues and all my my, my senior executive, we all complement and encourage each other and work as a mm. team, and that's pretty unique. But it's very inspiring yes. because it means we're rowing in the same direction. And I think it's not often that you can say I like everyone I work with and not that's actually true. be going I like everyone I work. I actually like everyone I work with, which is really great. You know, it's that's success. I over for a barbecue <laughs> post COVID. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, not all, not everybody has that because, mm. you know, and, and I think it's, it's making sure you do reach out to others. And if you, you know, little hints are if someone's starting new in a business, reach out to them and make mm. sure they're welcome. Share all your secrets with them, That's you know, it. in a business sense, you know, what you took seven months to work out, give them in their first week. Yep. They'll be forever grateful, um, you know, and um, I've never had it turned on me in a way that has not been a positive experience. Wow. That is uh, <laughs> that is amazing to hear that your career journey has been like that, how you have had the positive support and the impact that it's had on you. So you can, you know, make that um, change for the better for everyone. Wow. So now looking at your career journey, if you're reflecting back now, you know, there would have been times where you were faced with challenges. So what were some of the defining moments or a defining moment? <laughs> Look, I, I, think, I think they evolve in the different roles you have. And I think there'll be ones that stay with you forever mm. uh, that you think I could have done that differently. And it might not be a big thing, but it's something where in a situation you think I didn't handle myself there I'm going to learn from that so there's some of those we all check those up I think major events for me when I knew that I could lead was during the 2011 floods I was mm. looking after the a, a mental health facility and they called the eviction notice on the hospital because the because water and it it went out on the televisions on the sunrise before they let us know and so our patients and our staff were alerted um, and because we were a, a voluntary centre we um, we needed to be mindful of the impact on the patients because we had PTSD we had a mm. range of, of patients so I remembered ringing the SES and we'd been watching the water rise because we knew we were near a river and uh, it was just after Grantham had happened actually in Queensland where the town of Grantham had been wiped out from a wall of water and it was a couple of days later on the um, 11th I think of January and I called the SES, um, I couldn't get through and I called triple zero um, and um, she, she got me through and um, she said, can, I, can you state your location? I said, I'm at such and such hospital, this address, it's a fully functioning hospital and I need to understand if it's a forced evacuation order. I have about 35 patients and staff that I'll need to move to higher ground. And I'll never forget it because she said, whereabouts are you? Give me the address. And I gave it to her again. She goes, you need to leave now. There's a wall of water coming. Get them out. And I, I remember naively going, I beg your pardon, because <laughs> I'm always hopefully polite. And she goes, yeah. get out now. We think there's a wall of water coming. Now, in my mind, I just pictured Grantham, which was on the news over and over again for two yeah. days before. And I went, okay. And I remember hanging up the phone and I actually had my knees wobble and go down. Because I thought, oh, my God, like this is, oh, my God, moment. Excuse my language. But, oh, my God. And then I went, get up. You're the leader. <laughs> Basically gave myself a little uppercut and said, stand up. And I remember saying, you you got to do this. You're going to mm. have to pull a, a silent evacuation not to trigger all the patients because the alarms could trigger, trigger our vets. And you got to get these people out. So I went down, I, I went down and I, um, I put the emergency code over in a silent evacuation. I went down to my head charge nurse and I said, they're not joking. 
they think a wall of water is coming. I've confirmed it. We have to get out. I said, you need to start evacuation procedures now. We're going to go. And she, and she went, right. I said, have we got this? Because I need to know we've got this. We've got to get these people out. At the same time, the team were ringing. And I said, worst case, I'll take them to the top of the shopping centre. It's the highest building. Right? Find us on the shopping. I, I, I joked with my manager at the time. Find us all on the top of the shops. It's the highest car park. I'm going yeah. for high ground. Yeah. I thought, just like the old country, go with the snakes, go to the highest ground. And um, we were very fortunate to have some local bus drivers who, who we rang who were at the local opposite garage and they bought two buses, the mechanics. We loaded and evacuated that hospital in 19 minutes and we got out. And as we were going, the first bus went and the second bus, we had a, a clinical incident which a doctor and nurses and myself stayed for and we safely loaded um, and we evacuated and the water was coming over. And I remember the first bus was out of sight and there was only five of us on the second bus and they took us into one of our other facilities. And I remember when we pulled up the, the hospital, incoming hospital that we were going to were waiting and they had team and everyone for us and everyone got out. And I remember I got out and I looked at my manager who happened to be there at the time and I said, are we all here? Is bus one here? And they said, yes. I said, well, bus two reporting in, very official. Like I've never been more official in my life and they went yes I said is everybody safe and they said yes and I went great I need to sit down and get me a coke and I sat down <laughs> I sat down at the front of the hospital and I just was like holy macaroni yes. and so I, I they went and got me a coke and I said just give me a couple of minutes yeah. and 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 I reflected on that moment that that sort of three or four hours of my life it ended up being and it and it showed me that I was okay in a crisis and people trusted my decisions yes. and that I had to believe in myself. And, and that I've taken with me. Um, and we had, we were very lucky. We had no, no concerns. The building itself did not end up being inundated. We started back up and all the patients moved back in and they really, it was great. And the whole team, team did an amazing job. So it wasn't about me. But what it taught me was that anything was kind of possible because that weight of that responsibility. So I carried that as a reminder mm. in that believe in yourself. Yeah. Know you, know, if you know it, you know it and mm. trust your team around mm. you. So when I asked my team, have we got this? And she said, we've got it. Basically, we've got it, Tina. I said, great. I had to trust them and get on with the rest of it because and that's a life lesson for business. And then the third one is to be vulnerable because when I got there, I was very vulnerable. I was like, mm -hmm. I just want Diet Coke and give me a minute. Yes, exactly. I am human. Yes. Yeah, I am human. And I think, you know, we, we, um, we sometimes need moments like this. So that's, that's one that, that I'll never forget. And, you know, was um, very, very grateful for everyone who did a great job and also for the support we got from the organisation. And at the time, we were one of the first hospitals to evacuate and happened to be after that, the cyclones hit north and I think there was seven, you know, several other evacuations. But at the time, it was like, gosh, the drills work. That's great. Thank goodness <laughs> but, for that. Yeah, so that was one of them. And then I think another one was um, I'm a chair of the Diversity Council previously and I've just handed over my, my reign. Um, and I did have a team member reach out as we've become more and more involved in um, making sure that our workplace is, is um, far more um, advocate and open and diversified to match our ethos. I had a staff member reach out and send me, and I, and I won't share the note, but a very lovely note that highlighted that it doesn't matter how long you work for an organisation, um, at some point, you, you as a new person can make a difference. And so that staff member was very grateful for some of the changes we had made that they personally 
personally were very excited about and actually could actually be more of themselves in the workplace. So that was a small thing which I can't share the details on, but yeah. it, it gave me another probably important lesson is that you don't actually know sometimes the impact you're making, but if you know that you're doing it for all the right reasons and people around you, then keep doing it. And wow. if you, if you if, and and because only in a small percentage of people sometimes have the opportunity to be told or validated, mm. but just because you're not doesn't mean you aren't. And you know, I would have had no idea that the impact that the small changes, which are you know we've done, which are very matter of fact and should be done, have made on this particular staff member's life and approach. Um, and so that that was very humbling and reminded me to you don't always know you're making a difference, but you can be. And so that was another take home that I think I'll carry with me for a while because it's quite humbling for the staff member to write to me so yes, openly about that. It is. Well, uh, what I will say is the experiences that you've had have given you this amazing magic toolkit to be uh, a better human. Uh, you know, those things that you had shared in terms of um, trusting self, believing self, you know, believing in your team, believing in others, allowing others to be who they are authentically. Uh, all of these things, it doesn't matter what business, what organization, what sector, wherever it may be, whether personal or career oriented or otherwise, I think they're things that we can take forward, just be better humans. And um, yeah, to uh, have made big decisions like that in a crisis, it does make you realize that you can make the right decisions for the right people for the right reasons at the right time. Yeah. And I think we sometimes and again, I'm making a very generalisation, but as women in the workforce, we juggle a lot, most women juggle a lot, and often don't take the time to reflect on our own skill sets. And I think the majority of calm, concise decisions people take for granted. And in crises, you know, we're well placed because we're juggling so much. We're already doing multitasking, etc., to respond well. And I think with empathy. And I think, mm. you know, a lot of people probably underestimate that skill set being in their in their teams. Um, and and notwithstanding, I've had some fantastic male staff and yes. um, male bosses who have those skills as well. Yes. But I think they less judge them. That they less self-doubt them I think they have uh, often more confident in their skin because of because the ability to showcase whereas I, I know I often spend my time with team members um, particularly females saying you know how do you feel about that how do you and how are you going to tell them how you feel about that how are you going to make the chat like how, how are you going to take control of this situation so that you can be heard? And, and I think, you know, I do recognise that not all areas are easy for people to do that in, whether it be workplaces or, you know, um, sectors which are not quite as evolved as yet. I mean, healthcare is very female heavy in its um, gender diversity historically, which does mean we have to be mindful that we're also catering for all the different diversity that we have, whether it be cultural, Great. gender, LGBTIQ+, whatever that is. But we, we tend to not necessarily in healthcare face as much um, lack of women around but they don't always make it to the senior levels in the organization and I think Agreed. that's where the, the gap is and I think it's the opportunities may not present themselves or if they do the team let it pass by and mm. um, you do need to reach out and grab onto the log sometimes in that raft sure. and hang on and you never know where it'll take you. And it could be a bumpy ride, but, you know, there isn't enough women um, actually sometimes wanting to jump onto the log either. Um, yes. if, if you had said to me that I would have been offered a CEO role having had a baby at 40 
um, and 18 months later take that baby and a 13 year old across the other side of the world 20 years ago I would have giggled at you and said oh okay we'll just see like I would like to be a leader you know Mm -hmm. but I think what I've learned through being around good people that believe in anything is possible and and you know that is a mentality you need to take in is that anything is possible um is that you can actually achieve great things the harder that you work the luckier you get is some of the mantras that I hear from some of the people around me um and you do actually reap the benefits of the way you treat people the way you interact your work ethic your self-investment around training development mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. coaches yes. you know at, at senior level people do need to be able to invest in themselves Agreed. it is not a badge of honor to be on zooms from seven to seven and think that that is productivity if you're if you are on there and making a difference because you're engaging that's different but it's not about how busy the diary is anymore it's mm. about how innovative you are how forward planning you are and so I think there's a huge opportunity for everyone, but particularly for women to grab the log on the way past. Mm. And I think for other women to say, there's a log coming. Yes. You're quite capable of grabbing that log. There's a log coming, grab it, grab yes. it. You can do this, grab it. And um, and that would make a big difference because I think be kind to yourself and be kind to others. Is mm. and, and women could be more kind at saying, grab the log, you know. Agreed, agreed. And you're right. I think I love that. I'm going to take that quote, by the way. I will quote you for it. On it. <laughs> no I think it's a great one. It's um, It describes it really well. Uh, you're right. In um, the statistic that I had come across, I think there's 24% uh, make it to the sea level and only 14% board. And you've done both. Well, very blessed from the people around me. I also yeah. am not naive to the fact that my husband has taken a step back in his career to allow. Mm. So he, we are lucky that he has taken up a majority of the home um, activities, which has made a huge difference for my family. Not all families can do that. Yes. And not, not everybody has a partner to help with that. So, again, I, I am very lucky to be in that. So I, mm. I do... Um, uh, not underestimate my husband who is you know um, master degree trained in 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 several things to actually that he is the one doing the pickup and the drop-offs and when he's away you know I couldn't find which classroom my seven-year-old was going into which is not necessarily a good thing yeah. but he does carry the weight of that um, but I also think on on top of that we sometimes don't ask for things and don't have the discussion because it's it's scary and what if they say no and I say, well, what's the worst can be said is no. And I think um, having more women involved in a lot of organisations brings balance. And and I think the opportunities are often um, around networking and telling your colleagues when roles are coming out, recommending, um, investing, putting yourself out there and networking. Um, When I lived in Asia for the first time, I had a male finance manager. Love, just an absolute delight, very talented very uh just um what i'd say as a long-term colleague um treated me very respectfully but every time we went to a meeting they'd address him as the ceo and me as pa (laughs) and he found it quite humorous because i'm not a shrinking wildflower though i had to learn etiquette into into asia and make sure i was respectful i was quite enjoyed saying hi you know introducing myself and by the end of it as they got to know me the tables had turned on most of the interactions but it was just breaking down I got a bit of a shock of that in yeah. some of the areas I was working that they turned to the male you know finance manager who was at the meeting with me as CEO and they assumed CEO that, and, that would be the CEO and that that, yeah. that I would be the person taking the minutes 
um, we didn't even have a minute taker. It was CO and CFO, like CO and finance manager there. But um, that that is stuff that has been kind of a reminder that it's not always easy and right. how you conduct yourself and not take that too seriously in that it may be culturally, it may be their issue, not yours, and prove yourself is another way of, of being able to survive. I think you can have thick skin without having lost your empathy. That's it. I agree with you. Mm. I like that. Empathetic leadership, authentic yeah. empathetic leadership at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you do have to sometimes go pull up when it is really something that's crossing a line, but sometimes it's about re-educating the person you're with around what is going to be yeah. the new norm. And, and that was, you know, that was kind of fun in Asia for me. And doing it with kindness, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think the kindness factor in all business is, sometimes people feel that you're in a corporate or you're in you know a different that, that there's no room for that and and I just thoroughly disagree because you can still be financially savvy you can be financially responsible you can have the highest results you can do that in a sustainable ethical and um, repeatable way by yes. showing empathy and care and and when you're managing people who no matter what industry it is, people are still involved in every business mm. in the world. I don't know a business that doesn't have a person involved in it, even if it's just the owner. So you have True. to be able to manage and interact with people in a way that builds that uh, collegialness, that productivity, that mm -hmm. um, mateship in a way that mm. they're value-driven. And sometimes it's your values that align that. They need to see it. Yep. You can't just have them written on a wall. Agreed. You've got to have them you know, you've got to walk the walk, as people say. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, people see straight through the one, you know, that have the big things on the wall, but then they walk in and this, the the um, senior leaders walk past the receptionist at the front and don't say good morning. Like, there's a disconnect there in mm -hmm. those businesses. Yeah. Um, when you're in a meeting and someone skips over and not introduces the person taking the notes because they don't have a, I always go, hi, I'm Tina, your name is? Because they're part of that interaction and that's respectful. We yes. don't do that in our organisation, thank goodness, but I go to a lot of meetings and sometimes I go, oh, I'm not sure about that. Yes. <laughs> so I'm just going to make myself go in there for it. We obviously can't handshake at the moment. But, yes, that's um, right. It's all elbows. It's, it's elbows. But um, I think that leaders mm. are on display and the mm -hmm. best leadership you can display yeah. is not only kindness to others but to mirror how you would like to be treated. That's and it. it doesn't. it's no good just managing up you need to manage 360. And I think that's another really important take home is mm. you need to manage 360 because if you don't, you're not sustainable leader. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Now, speaking of leadership, what advice would you give to others who want to pursue leadership opportunities within the healthcare space? Do it. It's great. It's <laughs> such a stable, innovative challenging space you've got access to innovation and technology you've got compassion and care there's a patient at the center of what you mm -hmm. do no matter what part of healthcare you're at it comes mm -hmm. back to patients that's pretty amazing mm -hmm. um, you can make a difference through your own activities or your activities of empowering others and that that's pretty cool the other thing is sitting on the sidelines you won't make a difference leading the team you can change the course and so if you really are passionate and you want to see some changes or adoption of technology or see changes in values and gender diversity whatever motivates you as, as a person it's harder to do that on the sidelines you'll certainly be able to voice it and, and and advocate for it but it's a lot easier to do it if you're leading 
from the front. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage anyone who, who wants to be a leader to, to give it a go. Healthcare is an amazing part of the organisation to be part of, whether it be pharmaceutical and cutting edge research mm-hmm. through to service division like I'm in, yeah. um, through to um, actually being clinicians or scientists themselves yeah. um, and through, all through to other parts of, of the sector. Healthcare is amazing. It is. I agree with you there. Thank you so much. Now, um, I would like to now know what are the wonderful things that you are working on now or suspect you will be as you progress through the year that you can actually share with the audience? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we're very excited at Virtus Health. We're working on a precision fertility platform, which will, um, again, through technology, change the trajectory of our patients and our clinicians and our staff, harnessing data and information to give patients the best opportunity to access information in a collaborative spaces so that they're in charge of their, their destiny and their journey, as well as having a space where our doctors and clinicians can use that data for research and others. So that's really exciting. It'll be the first of its kind, and that's rolling out. We're currently working on the e-consent platform, which is in pilot, which will be the one of its first of its kind where patients can be consent consented um, in Australia remotely through electronic. And that's really exciting to make it easier and obviously a response also to the COVID uh, scenarios that we have and the increase in telemedicine. Um, we're doing a lot of work in the genetics space. Um, which is really exciting. So genetics is a really changing and an amazing field. And with genetics, um, there's a lot of work in disease avoidance um, that that drives the ability for patients to make informed decisions about their reproductive health and the health of their future children. So that's really exciting and we're developing some new services there. And then on top of that, we're looking at what we can do for our own staff's development. So looking at training and education to actually build the staff. So we've got programs around increasing our staff's involvement in PhDs and um, uh, conferences and having career plans in place and doing cadetships, etc. So that's really exciting at the moment and COVID's the only flea in the ointment as my mum would say yes sure it's coming to a spectacular kind of um moment at the moment as we 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 sort of let it run free Mm. but there's been a lot of learnings through COVID for healthcare Mm. and the trajectory and the adoption of some of the innovation and technology that has happened because of COVID would have taken years without it. So even though it's an awful impact across millions across the world, it has escalated our ability to try new things, which is which is mm. exciting on the other hand, as long mm. as everyone stays safe. Mm. The vaccine development in itself is an example of, of the speed to market, Agreed. let alone the use of telemedicine, the ability to, to adopt remote monitoring in some cases I mean the the remote COVID hospital that's set up in Sydney is amazing to know that they've been monitoring from home um, and not long ago that would have been frowned upon so I think it's it's um, yeah so we're looking at lots of exciting things around that technology and innovation space we're looking at our research and we're also looking at our genetics as well as what we do every day is helping as many people as possible Mm. become parents which is pretty cool yeah that's wonderful. And not only that, doing it, supporting the people in your, in your business, which is uh, what um, <laughs> in the recruitment sector, it's um, a, a topic of conversation about career pathways and, you know, helping people be, be better versions of themselves and to have opportunities to um, have a future and yeah. to therefore enhance productivity at the same time. So that, that's a lot of, of, of things that you'll be doing as a cohort. Uh, sounds amazing. Now, um, any last comments 
or quotes because you've given us so many, so much gold <laughs> for the listeners and specifically the female listeners? I think I'd, I'd leave just with believe in yourself. And that sounds yeah. like one of those yeah. t-shirts, be kind, believe in yourself. Yeah. But it is actually the baseline of everything is that seek, seek yourself to be around people who are like-minded and will lift you up both professionally and personally yeah be okay with where you are now and set a goal for where you want to be and I think those are the first steps to 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 any step forward particularly in career your own confidence comes from your own ability to believe in yourself whether it be addressing a HR matter whether it be delivering a speech or whether it be sitting in a boardroom your confidence is on display and the way to do have confidence is to believe in yourself and learn your materials or, you know, practice and do all of those things. But it all comes back to that simple believe in yourself. So that would be my advice. And I think have some fun along the way and don't be hard on yourself. We don't always get it right. True. Like I have forgotten to get the clothes washed for the kids and went, oh, my gosh, wrong uniform. We're going to have to spray this one and put it on. Um, and, you know, I have to just be okay with that because yeah. at the same yeah. time I'm doing something over here. Or yeah. sometimes I have to say in the work, I actually can't do that because my son's got a recital, or, uh, not so much a football game, more like my kids. My, yeah. my, my son's got a football game and I need to go to that. And mm. so... Being okay to do that would be the other advice is be real and don't try and be all to one or the other. Be yourself. And we don't always get it right. And balance is really hard. I actually don't know any C-suite male or female that's got it all, despite what they think. It's a balance on a daily basis. And some days there's good days and sometimes there's bad days, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's the other advice is to just be the best version of yourself by believing in yourself, surround yourself with others that will lift you up and don't be hard on yourself when it doesn't go right amazing advice that's wonderful to impart for both females and males out there how do we find out more about Virtus so Virtus Health and Virtus Fertility Centre in Singapore for example or other brands across Australia place a strong influence on patient education and helping people to understand their fertility journey we have started um, uh, with a series of our doctors who will answer people's questions online via our social media and you can keep a lookout through our Facebooks and our Instagrams for updates follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Virtus Fertility Centre for Singapore at Virtus Health or at our other brands which include at IVF Australia at Melbourne IVF and at QFG um, there's lots of information online if you search having a baby there's a good chance Virtus Health or one of its one of its groups will pop up that's amazing wow now finishing up and I wanted to just extend my gratitude and thank you so much for your time and I will make a last request for anyone just like this inspiring career story thank you so much anyone else that you're interested to nominate uh, a story that needs to be heard a person that may need a coach of some kind or a business that needs advice just um get in touch and we'll take it from there until next time stay safe and take care thanks Joe. pleasure <laughs>